You're listening to Soundplay, a radio show that features audio work produced by people in the Salem State community. We're your hosts. I'm Tanya Rodrigue, a professor in the English department. I'm Justin Noon, an English student here at SSU. Listen to those words coming from those SSU students all day. Soundplay. <laughs> Soundplay. Yeah, yeah. Trademark. <laughs> Trademark. Thank you guys for tuning into the second episode of our featured stories this season. This first one is actually a personal favorite of mine, as I'm not afraid to admit, I am a professional wrestling fan. Yes, I know it's kind of weird and strange, and it's normally something most people fall off of um, after the age of like 12 or 13, but to this day, I, I'm, still enter- I'm still firmly entertained and enthralled in professional wrestling. And this one actually might convince you to do the same. This one's from Jaleesa Molina. She is a media and communication student in her senior year here at SSU. She is a theater minor. And she writes that she really wants to show listeners the life of a professional wrestler. The ups, downs, the sacrifices, and everything in between. She hopes that listeners not only learn a little bit about a wrestler's routine, but also gain interest in the sport itself. She hopes that the audience can relate to some of the things said in their daily life, and know that they aren't alone. Um, the wrestler being featured in this, CJ, uses wrestling as an escape to be whatever he wants, and others can watch wrestling and do the same. Thank you guys for listening. J. Cruz, surprisingly athletic for his size, able to do a lot of incredible stuff inside that 16 by 16 ring. Yeah, he looks like a little brick shithouse, but it's surprising how really agile and athletic this guy is. CJ Cruz wrestles because it's what he loves to do. The sacrifice and pressures of the business can become frustrating at times, but he pushes through because it is his dream and he knows that it'll be worth it in the end. CJ, whose real name is Jason, is a 26-year-old New Englander through and through. His Boston accent sticks out like a sore thumb, but this Lowell, Massachusetts native lives a double life. What does Jason do for work? Jason is home improvement. You know, kitchens, bathrooms, um, stuff like that. Build new homes, uh, a lot of finished work and stuff like that. So I'm on my feet most of the day, so... CJ only gets turned on when I walk through the curtain and he shuts right off when I walk back through the curtain. There is no, there is no point in my, my day-to-day where CJ is out and about. Um, CJ is just a character in me that I keep hidden, and that's it. And he, that's where he stays. Jason's very monotone. CJ Cruz is like the fun, energetic guy the guy that you would love to hang out with because he doesn't really care what he does. He just wants to have fun. CJ got into wrestling when he was about 12 years old, but it all really took off when he turned 16. I started training when I was about 16 years old. I trained for about, I don't know, five months or so, and I blew my left knee out. So I took like four or five years off after that. And what made you go back? Watching people around me that were like improving and like getting places out of New England, like 
other people from the school that started making names for themselves and I was like well that could have been me what's the ultimate goal for you in wrestling sign a contract any kind of contract anything anything where I can say hey I've enjoyed my my tenure in wrestling I got to wrestle for x amount of years with x amount of places and make an x amount of money and then walk away I haven't I haven't really achieved any of my bigger goals. The only real goals that I achieved was uh, I wanted to wrestle for three of the bigger companies in New England, and I was able to achieve that by the end of 2019. You have to, you have to grind, and you have to always put the effort in, and you know, and if you don't put the effort in, you're not going to get anywhere. So, and wrestling takes up a lot of my time, but I have to understand that I have to work at it. It's not an overnight thing. But I have I have big goals, big achievements that I want. I I want to really just be like an active wrestler in the New England area. Who, no matter where I go, what locker room I'm in, they know that you know I'm a solid worker and stuff like that. You know we have we have jobs to do and we do our jobs just like anybody else would. So wins and losses don't don't really matter to me as much, or titles. You know I just more want the recognition of a guy that can go more than anything else. But the professional wrestling business is not the easiest road to follow. There are sacrifices and hardships that need to be made throughout the journey. Yeah, my body hurts all the time. It's not really pain, pain. It's more like... If I get up the wrong way, I feel pinches in my back. I've dislocated my shoulder. I almost blew my right knee out a second time. Um, more stuff like that. I've been dropped so many times on my head that I, I lose count. Do you think there's like a stigma behind like bodies and like how you're supposed to look versus like, you know, like what a true wrestler should look like versus what you look like? And does that affect you negatively or does that you know, make you look down on yourself often? It, it hinders me all the time, but I have now started to learn that my wrestling abilities is what's getting me to bigger places. My body is my biggest challenge, but I'm learning to, to work around it. Within professional wrestling, physique tends to be everything. The way a person looks can often determine how far they have the potential to go. And and, I, and it's not like I look overweight or anything like that. I just have these little love handles that I don't feel comfortable with. But my wrestling ability takes over for most of it. And a lot of people look past the way I look because of that. So Sometimes CJ's weekends are nonstop. He could have an entire weekend filled with wrestling where he won't be getting home until dawn after traveling countless hours. Like Orno, Maine, for example. It's a three and a half hour drive. Gotta, I'll get up early, hit the road by one, stop at a rest area and get some food. Continue the next three hour drive up. Time I get there, it'd be like five thirty six. I get ready, film promos, have the match, leave the venue at like eleven, drive, eat, get home probably three thirty a.m. Sometimes I don't go to bed till 4.30 because I got to shower, wash my gear and stuff like that. So it's just it's a long day. But all of this nonstop action eventually takes a toll and catches up to it the body. It takes too much out of my body. 
Like, I, I'm very tired by the end of the day. You know, between between work and, like, going to the gym and stuff like that. It's just, I'm very, very tired. Wow! High risk, high reward for CJ Cruz. What sacrifice do you need to make for wrestling? Time, family, personal life. CJ's family is so supportive that they schedule events around his schedule. I definitely do feel like I'm not around as much as I would like to. I can't do a lot of the family events like I used to do, so you know, it's just, uh, it just takes a lot of time. Can you explain the paying your dues kind of mentality in pro wrestling? Paying your dues is setting up a ring, doing the drives, working for no money. There is no specific timeline to paying your dues. Sometimes it can take years in the business. Have you ever wanted to quit for good? Oh, thousands of times. Thousands of times. Almost quit when uh, when it started taking off. Hoping that the end result is worth it, but only time will tell. Why is it worth your while to do these long nights and sometimes back to back for little to almost no pay sometimes? It's fun. It's the, it's the crowd interaction, the feeling, the emotions, the fact that you can take the crowd's breath away. We're practically just reacting to them. You know, the, the smile on people's faces, the smile on kids' faces, stuff like that. Like that that's really what keeps me going. Most of the time, it's, uh, it's more like if a promoter is very high on me, like that will drive me to keep going. And if not, like usually it's like the fans, like the kids and stuff like that. But it's not all negative. CJ was hooked by the storytelling aspect. The entertainment part, the uh, storytelling, stuff like that. So for instance, like David versus Goliath, so to speak. It was the, mainly more of the crowd reactions. Listen to the crowd, the flashing lights, the loud music, the pyro, like being in that lifestyle for the most part. The lights, music, energy, emotion, and endurance. These are the things that hooked CJ. These are the moments that have made this hectic lifestyle worth it. They often say, it's not about the size of the dog in the fight but about the size of the fight in the dog. CJ still fights every day to prove and make a name for himself in the wrestling industry. But in the end, he knows it will all be worth it. For WMWM 91.7 and the Soundplay podcast in Salem, Mass., I'm Julissa Molina. Thank you for joining us. Salem State University Radio. They must pay us millions to stop broadcasting. WMWM Salem, 91.7 FM and WMWMonline.com. I didn't want to talk. She just sat with me. That was all I really needed. We got back. One day he called me out of the blue. And it's comforting to know that I always encountered him to have my back. She called me from time to time. I really didn't think I needed any help. It took me from being really depressed to feeling like somebody cared to give me some hope. Just that one text. Be there. Your call. Your presence. Your words. Your support. Be there and help save a life. Learn more about preventing suicide at VeteransCrisisLine.net.
Our next story is from Malaya Beckford. She is a sophomore business major here at Salem State. She chose to focus on a student and their craft of wig making. I hope you guys enjoy. This is a very hectic time. <laughs> you came at the perfect time. This is Valerie here at Salem State University, a kind, caring young woman with a warm smile. Although Valerie isn't just an ordinary student, she has a gift, and that is the beautiful art of wig making. With her skills, it has built confidence, style, and big smiles to many of those with their dream wig. So, what got you into wig making? Okay, so, um, okay, so I've always done hair. I've done hair since I was 13, and I started doing that because my mom went to school, and I have a little sister, and I don't want my hair looking crazy, and I don't want my sister <laughs> looking crazy. During the time I was interviewing Valerie, it was only just six months ago, she really started wig making. So far from her wig creations made for others, it's really impressive to see. Um, I made my first wig six months ago, and... It was for me. Um, that's when I. That was the very first wig I ever made, and it was really dusty. Now I'm looking back on it, it was not cute at all. And um, after that, I just kept on going. I made my second wig like two weeks later, and I think I made my third like a week after that. So like back to back. Yes. When I get into things, I really get into things. So I got into wig making. I really got into wig making. You have to have like the real technical skills to like make mm. it not look dusty. But um, I've always had like the stitching down, even when I first made my first wig, the stitching was always down. Um, and I had the technique down, but it was like, can I perfect it and make it better enough to make it look like real human hair coming out of your scalp? The first real client Riley had, she messed up on the wig. In order to fix it, she had to give up $70 to replace the damage to make her client happy and put her at ease. And what is the challenge of making a wig? Some ch I just literally made a mess. That's one challenge. I just spilled bleach, which is annoying because I have to like make up for that. Um, another challenge is it takes a little bit of time. So like I'm a perfectionist, and if the wig doesn't come out like the way it's in my head, I'm just gonna sit there and be fixing it for hours. So it has to come out perfectly the way I want it. Um, another challenge is, I guess. I'm trying to do this for business, so building my clientele is another challenge mm. making wigs. So I don't want to be making wigs just to be making wigs because it's money, you know. Bowley's clientele can range from 16 to 35 years old. Since we're on the college campus, mainly all of her clients are students at Salem State as well. Tell me about the supplies. What do you need to make a wig? Oh my god, oh my god. The supplies? Okay, so there's so many things you need. See, I'm in my little wig corner right now. Um, from biggest to smallest, I need something to keep all my supplies in. So I have this big container here. And then inside it, I need like basic supplies. Like I need um, needle and thread to make the wig. I need hair, obviously. Um, I need a cap for the wig. I need a wig head. I need a stand so I can put the wig head on. Um, holding sprays to freeze sprays to glues and 
straighteners and combs and it's literally technical so many different things that you need i can't even give you a list of everything i need because it's just so much stuff bleach bleach powder dyes i could keep going <laughs> <laughs> brushes scars spritz napkins in case you make mess gloves i have like 10 different types of the same combs Two of them are meant for specific things. Two of them are meant for other specific things. Like, everything's everywhere. For a lot of long, natural-haired young women like me, there has been some hesitation as to why even wear a wig when your hair is already pretty long. Sometimes it's, I mean, that's always the argument to us. Like, why do you wear wigs if you have natural hair? For one, it's a protective style. So if you don't always want to be touching your hair, or your hair looks messy one day and you really don't want to mess with it, you literally just throw on a wig. Nobody will know. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, and at the same time, your hair will be protected and you'll look bomb. So, it's, exactly. yeah, there are multiple pros to it. The other way Valley has learned her techniques was from what she calls YouTube Academy. It started taking off in, like, the media and stuff. So, it made it easier for me because there was YouTube. So, I just learned everything I did on YouTube. And then I do it on myself. All my hairstyles are usually practiced on myself before I practice on somebody else. Once Valley has everything she needs, what are the next steps to making a wig? So the first thing, okay, so this is perfect because we're making a wig right now. Um, this wig's for my roommate. And right now I'm actually making the bleach developer because she wants her wig blonde. Mm. So I'm about to dye her hair blonde. I'm bleaching her hair blonde and then I'm going to put dye on top of it. So usually if you're trying to do a color, you do the color first. And then once your color's achieved, you try to go into the sewing. So once the hair is dry, I'll start styling it, um, straighten it, curl it, whatever like the client wants. That's what I go mm -hmm. and do. And then I perfect it, and then they come to me and they come get the wig installed. Or they just buy it off of me and take it to someone else to come install it. So since you're like so much like into wig mm -hmm. making, why are you in college studying healthcare? Um. I'm in college studying healthcare because I want to be a doctor. Like, that's like my overall passion still. I still want to work, so I want to work in the, in the medical field. Um, but this is just something I do on the side. And I'm also Nigerian, so I can't necessarily just drop out of school and be like, I'm about to do hair, because they're going to be like, are you crazy? <laughs> are you kidding me? And it's not that not, they're not supportive, but it's like, you're school comes first which i understand and that's what i'm doing i'm doing school but i'm also doing hair bowie's business at salem state university is very successful although she's not too sure she wants to expand into her own shop but she likes the idea though like i think a little shop would be cute i think that would be so cute and i play african music in the store all the time because you know rep my country period For the future looking brighter than ever for Valerie, inspiring others along her journey, thinking of getting a wig, and hope you are too. For WMWM 91.7 and Soundplay Podcast in Salem State, Massachusetts, I'm Leah Beckford heading out. Stay healthy and stay safe. Hey, this is Dan Finnerty from the Dan Band. You're listening to WMWM 91.7 in Salem. Coffee Time has been a family-owned and operated bakery since 1978. They offer scratch-made pies and scones, and now through Thanksgiving, apple cider donuts and pumpkin cheesecake. Grab a fresh cup of coffee or real hot chocolate milk to go with your favorite treat. 
Coffee Time, setting the standard for homemade baked goods right here in Salem. Coffee Time, 96 Bridge Street, Route 1A in Salem. Our last piece is from Abigail Hurley, who's a freshman business admin major here at Salem State. I hope you guys enjoy our piece. Even in high school, you like came to school sometimes wearing huge heels, huge. What, like, did you do that just for fun or to show people or to what? Because I could. <laughs> Even after all this fun, 19-year-old John Walsh held the huge weight of coming out as gay on his shoulders. Well, when I came out, it was, first of all, it was a wave of tears. I could not stop crying because I remember I told my mom and after that, I just, she said, it's okay, I know. And I just went full tears. It was, it was like such an emotional time for me. It was just such a good feeling to just finally commit to myself and just say it. But before he said anything about being gay, John came out as bisexual, thinking it would calm his nerves. Well, it was really just like a nervous thing for me. Like, it was it's a big thing to accept. Just saying you're gay is just a huge step. But like, when you're bi, it's just like you still hold a part of being normal in society. But, you know, the straight like society is just normal then just like okay i'm stepping my foot in i'm just like you know i'm halfway there but then really coming out is just like oh my gosh then when you come out you start to notice things like your whole community pride festivals everything gorgeous and iconic fabulous period end of story coming out as bi though really didn't scare him it was it was whatever because it was like everyone's doing it so i'm like i'll just do it too because i want to (laughs) You told me a couple, like, um, over the summer that you never believed I was bisexual because you didn't believe in bisexuals. What does that mean? <laughs> Here we go. I don't believe in them. I didn't believe them Still? in the past. No, in the past. In the past. In the past. Don't worry. I can't explain why. Because it was, well, for me, bisexuality did not exist because I was just mostly gay. I was The entire time I was gay. So it's like, it's not real for me. So I really don't know about other people, but... For me, that was a transition period. Once that period had finished, he decided to fully come out as gay after high school. I was out of high school. That was another part of me. Then I went to college with this a whole new life recreating. So I'm like, I'm just going to go in honest and 100% natural. And that's what I did. August 16th or something, or my mom's birthday, is when I told her. It was legendary. I told DJ first. He loved it. He went, oh, girl, I know. <laughs> Coming out as gay to becoming a drag queen is quite the transition. I don't know the exact point of transition to it, but so when I first got into it, it was a question of if I'm struggling with trans or not. That was the big thing. I was like, am I just trans? That way I'm doing it. But then I got watching the TV shows called Drag Race. It was so legendary. I was like, no, it's a passion. It's not trans. I know I'm. I know who I am, and that's that's me. And I loved it so much. Just doing makeup, wigs, heels, dress, clothes, everything, face, face, face. Yes, sir. Everything. Yet sadly, some family members weren't as supportive. My mom's grandparents, they're all for it. They love it. They know everything. But my dad's parents, however, I they don't they probably know I just never told them. They're pretty homophobic. They don't like it. Um they I can hear them talking, it's like they're so annoying. I wanna I would roast her, but she's a grandma, so I can't do that. <laughs> oh, you can. She's never gonna hear this. I could. Like she's like, I'm gonna look at this hair, it's so gross. And I went, bitch, look at your hair, you dyed every single day, don't come for you, bitch. <laughs> But, (laughs) anyway, she came to terms with it, so, I think it's more of just, like, she doesn't care about it. There 
is no hiding here, as John is ready to show who he is through his acting career. I don't care about hiding myself, bitch, no. I'm a cosmic star. I radiate energy, bitch. When I'm in the movies, getting my Oscar, period. Or like on stage strutting down or something in a model or something. They're gonna know, I'm like, oh my god, that's my grandson. They're probably dead, actually. Not only is he finding self-love, he is ready for others to be inspired. Of course, I think anyone wants to feel that way. Just be like, you know what, I inspired a whole slew of people. So, I mean, of course they can. Like my friend Giovanni from school, he, he was bi. But then, uh, like a couple months into it, he came out as gay. And I hope I influenced him to do that, because I was so comfortable with it. So that's it. Being an advocate, it would be fabulous go to Pride on a huge fucking float that's like all black. And it's just me one, me rainbow here. <laughs> exactly. Who he is is definitely gonna be represented in the parts he plays. Well, I can't act like a straight person. I know that for a fact. So <laughs> I'll probably have to stick with LGBT roles, but I don't know. Depends. I, I would be open to doing a straight role, but I don't think I could do it. Maybe a closeted person I could do. Like, show them the goods, the gold of it all, really. In his latest dance showcase, where he had a solo, he transformed into a woman during a song all about loving yourself, and he had anything but nerves. It wasn't nervous for me. I was in love with doing it. I just didn't, I just didn't want to do it because I was so tired of all the nights of doing it. I was over it. But at the end of the day, it felt so natural and so real to just get up there and just work, bitch. Luckily, the drag queen community has complete love for the LGBTQ community. Complete advocators of it. They're like all for it. Maybe some, I think some queens like think that women can't do drag, but like, yeah, they can. Of course they can. It's just putting on a dress and fancy clothes. It's, it's just like showing off your features and they can do that just fine. For WMWM 91.7 and the Soundplay Podcast in Salem, Massachusetts, I'm Abigail Hurley. Thank you guys for tuning in to today's episode. Personally, these are some of my favorite stories. Hopefully, I get to see you guys in the next episode, our last episode of the season. And that's it for today from the Soundplay Podcast. This is Justin.